Hi, this is Patricia. And this is Christina. And this is What They're Worth, a podcast exposing the truths of everyday people who are willing to enter the beautiful mess of foster care and adoption. We're glad you're here. Welcome to episode number one. We're so excited. Hopefully of many. Yes, we are literally in a closet. Um, we just pe- spent the last hour trying to even <laughs> figure out how to do this. We bought what we thought is a super cool mic. It looks super fancy, um, but we got into our closet and um, it was really echoey. So we we took pictures. We'll share it with you guys later. But yes. we literally have blankets hanging in every direction in my small walk-in closet. But we finally figured it out. And so we are on the floor. <laughs> Our computer is on a box, (laughs) and we have waters because it's so hot. (laughs) Hopefully, this shows you a little bit about our dedication and also our personalities. Yes. And, you know, I think it's actually a good segue because it takes a certain brand of crazy to be a foster parent or an adoptive parent, and you have to be willing to improvise. Yes. You have to be willing to definitely expect the unexpected and roll with the flow and you know that's just what we did in this in this last hour and And in the last year and a half of our lives yeah and you know what in both instances we weren't sure how it was gonna work out (laughs) or if it was but in the long run it did so it's a great metaphor to start off with but yeah we're so glad you guys are here listening to us and we are actually just excited to be here together having this time to talk carving out this time um our husbands are so great to let us do this and um just to just to share with everybody and and hear from everybody else too yeah so really what we'd like to do here is just to give a voice and highlight an inside look into what it's like to be foster and adoptive parents, um, to hear from not just our experience, but hopefully in the future, other people's experience, um, and people who are just ordinary and normal, people who want to love God well and want to be a safe place for kids. Um, And in my about to hit one year of being a parent, there's probably not many other things that are quite as fun, challenging, stretching, all of the above as being a foster parent. And we hear people all the time who are really interested, um, who are super supportive, but at the same time, there's a lot of fear and hesitation into getting into this. And so if we can educate and encourage um, other people to get involved and whatever that looks like for them, then that's what we would really love to do. Yeah, I mean, even on that post that we posted last night um, on my personal page, um, my whole point was to not glorify what I was doing. My whole point was to be transparent, but people still took it that way, and people mm-hmm. still made those comments like, you're so great, you're so mm-hmm. awesome, I just love what you're doing, mm-hmm. um, with that insinuation of, that can't be me, um, to, because you're extra special, um, that's why you can do this. And so really, that's our heart and soul um, of this. We cannot foster all the children. 
we are struggling <laughs> enough with the with the three that we have combined mm-hmm. of foster children, um, hopefully soon to be adopted. But um, so that's really where our heart is with um, just getting the message out and encouraging ordinary people just like ourselves um, that they can do that too. And and we are ordinary people. We are not anything special. No. Um, we have pretty ordinary lives. Um, we're just maybe a little bit, like you said, crazy. Um, but yeah, I think people just glorify it so much and it's, it's just so important that we go out and educate people, um, mm-hmm. not just us, but mm-hmm. everyone yeah. who feels the yeah. passion for this. And it really, I know people mean well when they say stuff like that. Right. And it is encouraging on one level. Mm-hmm. It's nice to hear. But on another level, it's lonely for people to say that or it kind of makes you feel like oh I need to kind of pretend that I have it together or I need to kind of maintain this um and the truth is it is very very difficult um and my personal experience I have had more anxiety especially than I ever have in my entire life I've I would never have considered myself an anxious person But um, when you become a parent in a matter of minutes Mm -hmm. to children that you did not raise and you desperately want them to feel loved and you desperately love them, but you don't know what's going to happen really from one minute to the next, especially as you're getting to know them. It's a really difficult thing. Yeah. And we build it up. We build it up beforehand so much (laughs) and we try to expect and, you know, that's. That's normal. I, I think that's normal to do. And but then you, you're in the midst of it, and you're in in the midst of a hardship, and it's so much different. And, and and it is lonely. It is lonely if you don't have a close network of friends or family or people in your church who are doing it too. I mean, we didn't until really we started, mm-hmm. and then like a bunch of people started fostering and adopting and maybe not a bunch is like a I think a lot of some people already were but because we weren't in it we didn't even we didn't know. really yeah, that's realize a, that's, that's a true point and then once we were in it, it's like when you get a car and then you're on the road and yeah. you see that car all the time you're like what I thought nobody else had this car um it's kind of like that experience but mm-hmm. then it's so awesome because you you connect and um, you see those people in church or you see those people out and you're just like, you just make eye contact and you're like, I know, <laughs> I, know that like, struggle. I know what you're going through. Mm-hmm. And you have those people who aren't going to be judgmental and who know that you're not just the super awesome selfless, you know, being, um, who knows that we struggle and, and knows like, Hey, you're struggling and I, and I see you and, mm-hmm. and I get it. And I, and I think that's important because just like, in any type of parenting that comparison can really steal your joy especially when Mm -hmm. people are seeing you like that seeing you like oh wow you're doing this great thing nobody wants to feel like oh but I'm sucking at it Mm -hmm. you know so to be transparent about it is something that we we try to do as well Mm -hmm. absolutely so I'll tell you a little bit about about me to start off and my journey. Um, I heard about domestic adoption, really, and the domestic orphan crisis, um, really, probably from one of my mentors, really, my actually my only mentor, <laughs> who became um, a foster parent, um, and I started just reading about it 
and learning about it. And my honest initial response was to be pretty angry. Um, growing up in the church and really never hearing about domestic infant, domestic adoption and foster care. Uh, I heard a lot about international adoption. I knew people who had adopted internationally and like compassion, a lot of overseas um, organizations. So when I realized how big of a crisis this was, I felt angry that I, how come I never heard anybody talk about this? You know, why wasn't this being preached from the pulpit? Why did I know all these Christians and none of them had adopted and none of them had foster kids in their home? And I've always had a heart for kids. Um, at the time where I started getting interested in it, my husband and I were volunteering um, at a youth group in Mississippi where we lived at the time. And so I've always had a heart for kids. Um, we, when we moved to South Carolina, which is where we are now, I looked up, you know, children's homes and ended up finding one that was five minutes away from the house that we bought, which definitely felt like an act of God. And I started volunteering there. Um, and at that point, I was pretty much a goner because now I wasn't just reading memoirs or statistics like the kids had faces and they had names and they hugged me and I wanted to sneak them into my car and take <laughs> them away right then. Um, and so then the battle was not the battle, I should say, but <laughs> my husband was not on the same. He was not at the same place by no fault of his own, just really because he didn't read the books I read and mm -hmm. he wasn't volunteering there. So that's how I got exposed to the situation yeah and I think my exposure came with Patricia and her and her passion we had met at church and um just kind of formed a pretty a pretty pretty quick friendship it was pretty natural for us to be friends um and she would talk about it a lot and um so I would start researching too. And, and like she said, it's just once you get on there and you see the faces and you see the stories and they have the videos of the kids <laughs> and you're just like, oh man, come live with me. And um, I'm also in public education. So that just struck a chord with me as well. And um, so then I just brought it up to my husband one day and we hadn't been talking about it at all. And we were actually babysitting a bunch of kids from church and um, we had just got them all in their rooms and we were sitting there on the floor in the hallway, like waiting for them to try to get out of their rooms again. <laughs> and we were so exhausted and we had no children at this point, but we were so exhausted. And I just said, I think I want to foster like in that moment. It's so crazy. And he was like, okay, well, <laughs> let's talk about it. Let's pray about it. And then it took us what, like, a little less than a year for us to go through the adoption or through the foster process was actually pretty fast for around here, um, at least. And we got, um, oh, this is the crazy part, guys. This yeah, is the super I stopped because my this, story goes. Yes, a this lengthy. is the super crazy part. <laughs> so I we ended up getting my husband and I ended up getting approved, um, getting our license for fostering, and um, on November fourteenth, fifteenth. It's almost two years now. Um, I got a call. I had been waiting. I had been waiting. I had missed a call about a little boy. missed a call, and you were was, really bummed. Yes, I was so bummed. Because they I, were at work, and they didn't pick up the phone. Yes, mm -hmm. I was so bummed. They were like, there's this little boy. And I'm like, oh, I know. You're just fantasizing, romanticizing in your mind, like, what that could have been like. 
And then so another week or two goes by and I'm at a meeting and I get a call and I was in my school library at the time and I remember going over to the bookshelves behind um, where everybody was at and the social worker saying, we have a four-year-old little girl like needing a placement. Um, we could be there in like, I don't know, like an hour, two hours, something like that. I'm like, okay. So I call my husband, <laughs> you know, all that, calling all my friends. How do I take care of a four-year-old? What do I need for a four-year-old? Um and I really did not think we were going to get a four. I, th- I thought I was getting a uh, teenage African-American boy. Because you had put that you were open. Yes. So that's one thing for maybe some of you who are listening who haven't been through the process. You can select what age range. So you don't yeah, like your have preferences. to be. Yeah, your preferences. So I think we chose like four to 13. Mm-hmm. Um just because I don't know why we chose four, but maybe because, oh, I know why we chose four because then they wouldn't have been in, um, they would have been in school or pre-K program. Um, so anyway, so we get, um, this call and I call Patricia, of course. Like, I was in the middle of working out oh at the gym. Oh my goodness, Patricia, like we got a call. Oh my gosh, we're getting a girl. She's coming over in like a half an hour and Patricia's like, oh, okay, like we're going to come over. We're going to take Seth shopping. Like, so you can stay home and blah, 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 blah. And she's like, what's her name? And so I tell her my daughter's name and she's like, shut up. I know her. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, no. She's like, I do. I know her. And turns out, and you guys will hear the story a lot more, I'm sure throughout our, our um, episodes, but it turns out that my daughter is a biological sister of the two boys who Patricia and her husband are now fostering and um, in the process of adopting. So we are in the process of adopting siblings. And we're best friends. Yes, and we're best friends. <laughs> and we had kind of sort of joked about this before, but I joked about this before because I found an article. If these people listen, we want you to come on our show. But I found an article (laughs) of um, two two best friends who adopted a sibling group. And I had jokingly tagged Christina in it on Facebook saying, ha-ha, life goals. Um, And so she kind of beat me to it, which is pretty funny (laughs) since I inspired her. And then she beat me to the process. But... um, We were approaching getting ready to start our process. My husband and I were both in graduate school, um, so we just didn't feel like it was the right timing yet. I should say he didn't. I would have done it, and it probably would have been not the right thing. But I tend to be the gas. He's the brakes. So as I was volunteering at this group home, um, I one day asked one of the administrators, are any of these kids um, ever up? For adoption, you know, because, you know, they don't tell you, right. hey, this kid's going you know, to do this. They don't tell you their personal information. And sometimes the kids would give me bits of information just in conversation. Um, and one of the administrators told me, oh, these two brothers, they're going to be up for adoption soon. And immediately I just kind of felt it click in my heart. And I w- immediately thought I could parent. I, I could see them being in my family. I went home immediately to my husband and told him, hey, I think these might be our kids, um, so we should really (laughs) probably move on this. And my husband said, oh, now, Patricia, you know, calm down, just breathe. And I was like, no, I'm serious. I really feel like this is it. This is it. And he said, it's not the right time for us yet. And this is his creepy words. He just said, if they're still available for adoption, when we're ready, then... God will bring them into our lives. 
And I remember where we were standing in the kitchen when he said it. And at this point in my life, the Lord was working on me to try to not force things and to receive mm-hmm. and respect the leadership of my husband. That's hard. <laughs> and so I truly remember like biting my tongue that, you know what, if I force my husband into parenting, it's probably right. not going to go very well. So I, I didn't. Um, and actually it ended up the boys ended up leaving the group home pretty shortly after that. Like I within the when next couple months. I remember when they left and you felt bad because you felt mm. like you didn't really get a true like yeah. goodbye and you didn't know where they were. I and... knew like the town they were in, but that's really all I knew. Um and so I kinda just I mean I didn't really have a choice. I didn't have any, you know, tie Dang. to them. The system doesn't think I have any tie to them. I mean, I don't. I wasn't a licensed worker or anything. Um, or I wasn't a, lot, a licensed foster parent even. And so what happened in the coming months, I think they left around maybe June of 2016. Ooh. 2006 is how long this has been going. And they were gone. And I kept thinking about these boys to the point that I was dreaming. I was dreaming about them even. And I was, like, feeling so weird. Why do I keep thinking about these two kids? What's wrong with me? I'm like, you know how many kids are in the system? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know who God wants me to parent. And I was like, am I idolizing this? And I honestly kind of was in a way. Um, I'm sure a lot of you can relate to this. When you're just really yearning to be a mom and it's, like, hard to think about anything else. And I was I was honestly struggling with that. And I, I was struggling with not feeling super content and having to wait. Mm-hmm. Um, and just really wanting to be a mom and wanting to be a mom in this way. Um, but then I kept having the boys on my heart. And um, so the day that Christina called me at the gym, I, pretty much as soon as I hung up, I like started crying because I just knew, okay, there's no way that's an accident um, because that was months later. And we don't live in a place that like we're lacking, like there's not a lot of foster, of course, like, there we get foster children from many different all over the state. Yeah, all over the state. So it's just like yeah. I mean it was God. There's Yes. There's just <laughs> there's really no other way to say it. There's no, no other, other way, way to, say, to it. say it. And it's just so beautiful now because we are close with their other siblings. They have mm. how many other siblings? Well, three. There's eight total. Yeah. Yeah, eight total. They are three of eight. Yes. And so most of them live close by. And we are, um, we are able to just, they're able to see their siblings and we're able to hang out as one big extended family. Actually, that's cool too, because the caps, so an older sister and then the youngest brother of the set that is local are also fostered by sisters. Yes. So they are connected. They have siblings in the family and then they've allowed us to join (laughs) <laughs> so when we get together there has to be space for like 20 some people at least mm-hmm. um because it's one big happy oh it's a big it's a big group but it's so it's so neat to sit there and and just I guess bathe in the fact that they get to see their biological siblings and mm-hmm. they get that part of their identity as they grow up and as our challenges um as their challenges increase as they get older they still have that part of their identity. They still have, you know, mm-hmm. their biological family and, and have that connection, mm-hmm. I think, is super, super cool. And it doesn't always happen like that. And so um, I'm, I'm fortunate for that part of our story. 
for sure. Mm-hmm. So it took me about another year after um, Christina's daughter came home. It took us about another year to get our boys home. Yeah. Um, we'll talk more about that in another episode, I'm sure. And you went and had a baby in yes. that year. <laughs> I found out so. four days after my daughter came to live with us that I was pregnant. <laughs> and so... <laughs> it's been a roller coaster ride. Um, yes. And so it's it was a lot at once. And we'll both talk later to this, but Patricia mentioned our anxiety. And I'm pretty sure like I had like a postpartum depression sort of thing going on with my pregnancy and and the very big struggles we had, the very intense struggles we had and, and mm-hmm. Patricia's had too, mm-hmm. um, with the transitioning and the behaviors and yeah. um it, it's a lot. And so um, we want to be transparent with you guys. We want to be transparent um, because it's not all it's there's so much great in it, but that's not all there is. Mm-hmm. And um, where we don't want to discourage people to take this journey on, but it is important to know um, the kind of things you can walk through. And um, and it's important to build a community and it's important to have those people and know, even if you don't know us as friends and, and you don't have people around you who are doing the same thing, it's important to know that other people are doing it and other people mm-hmm. are walking through it. Mm-hmm. And although we may be falling along the way and tripping and whatever it might be that we're still getting back up and at the end of the day, we're still getting through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's super important to, to keep in mind. I think if you don't have... If you don't have all the information, you aren't going to be doing it for the right reasons. Right. And, I mean, we all get tangled up in our selfish motivations. But at the end of the day, if we aren't doing it for the right reason, I think we end up hurting the kids and hurting the families that are involved. Um, You can't be doing it because you want to be validated. You can't be doing it because you want to be a superhero. And a lot of people do. You, you will know, not feel or, that way. You or, will not feel like a superhero. Let me tell you that. <laughs> you will not feel like a superhero. Right. But a lot of people go in with, with that right. desire. Like, I'm going to fix things. Like, that's yeah. why I want to do it, because mm-hmm. I want to fix things. But the, the truth of the matter is is that you can't fix the fact that these children are separated from their parents for whatever reason it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't fix that, and you can't change that, whatever the outcome, whether they stay with you or not. And to stay with you isn't necessarily the best thing for them. Um, And so even if all things work out, and even with our children, like, we'll pretty much, we know we're going to be adopting them. It's just a matter of when. But even with them, that's not the best possible outcome outcome for them. The best possible outcome would for this to never have happened. The best possible outcome would for them to be with their biological parents. Um, and, and it's, and so important to remember that because that, I think that's a big place where people like to say, well, I took this kid and I gave them a better life. Um, but they forget that aspect of, but they're still, they still have that loss. Mm -hmm. They still have that trauma and that's always going to be there. You can't take that away, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and, and not discrediting, of course, like what they do, not discrediting that. Yes, they've given them a great life maybe in a lot of instances but it's not necessarily the best one that they could have had Mm -hmm. um and so acknowledging that brokenness and it'd be kind of like if you had to get a limb amputated and then you got 
a prosthetic. And you're like, you know. Then the prosthetic guy was like, I gave you the best life possible. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's but you still like, been like, I don't have a leg. You yeah. Know? Like, right. I can do things. It's okay. Thank but... you. I'm grateful. Right. But I wish that I still had my leg. Like, yes. you know, I mean, that's a very bad example. <laughs> but I'm, you know, just giving the point that we would probably yes. never be like, you should be so thankful yes. that you lost your leg and right. you get to have this metal one. Right. You know, you, you wouldn't say that because you realize that there's a very visible way that you can see he's not the same Mm -hmm. you know what I mean that person's not the same as me they don't have the same and sometimes when we look at adopted or foster kids in a family picture we don't we don't think that like oh we don't we're like oh how happy and it is happy but it's also not we don't realize that that right that's not the natural that's not the like you already said yeah and if you're a foster parent and right now, like, you're just struggling. Like, mm-hmm. you're in the rough of it. Like, we've been there. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure everyone, foster parent or not parent, has been there. But mm-hmm. it will get better <laughs> with persistence. Yeah. You can make it through. And um, we want to be, like I said, just super transparent about our experiences. And we are not super awesome moms. Like, we make mistakes <laughs> daily. We feel mom guilt daily. We make comparisons daily. We mm-hmm. question ourselves daily. Yeah. There's not a day, especially for me, where I don't think I could have made some better decision or I don't get in the car and ask myself, did I respond to that situation in the right way? Did mm-hmm. I just make her trauma worse? Was mm-hmm. I sensitive to her needs? Um, mm-hmm. And I know Patricia can speak to the same thing, but... So that's one thing. I think the comparison, especially when you're looking on Instagram, and that's just the biggest social media right now, I think, especially for these types of communities. And Mm -hmm. I think it's just, it's so hard to scroll through and see like the picture perfect looking stories of adoption and foster care. Um, Some of y'all need to give me some photography tips. I know. I haven't gotten that down. <laughs> I still have little hearts over my daughter's eyes, like, but everybody else does it in some beautiful, majestic way where the light is shining. Just, they just know how to take the angles that don't get do. their kid's face in and, it, but it's still, like, when right. I do that, it's just like the back of my kid's head. Same. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. If you have those photography <laughs> skills, you go for it. But I know that some of our own personal goals is to try to be more transparent about those struggles yeah. um, as well. So that comparison part can be can be really difficult mm-hmm. when you're when you're going through those. And if you and if you're going through that and and you see that, just don't follow those people right now. I think like there's there I feel like there's freedom in that and just saying like mm-hmm. right now at this point, like I'm really struggling and I can't look at I'm not going on Instagram for a while or I need to unfollow them and follow them back later when I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> when I'm in a better place cuz for me that's yep. not productive. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So so anyway, we've said a lot of things. <laughs> And we have never done a podcast before. Like we said, we're just normal people. Christina is a high school teacher. I'm a therapist at a residential facility working with teenagers. We work with kids all the time, basically, which is why we kind of act like kids sometimes. (laughs) But what I'm also hoping is that people will maybe respond and tell us what they want to hear and what would be helpful and how we can help and I think it's going to be a bit of a mixture of encouragement 
true life, maybe education yeah. at times. Um, It'll be a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything, at least until we get a rhythm. But we do plan on having people on our show to share their experiences. So we do have an email address. It's just what they're worth at gmail.com. And we also have an Instagram, same thing, what they're worth. So look us up and reach out if you have any ideas yeah, or, or questions. Yeah, or if you're a specialist in any areas anything. regarding any of these topics that could affect children and trauma and foster care and adoption. Call me, beat me if you want to reach me. Call me, beat you me. You can't if page you me, me or beat me. <laughs> Really. But yes, reach out to us. Um, we would love to hear from you, even if you're like, I'm not really cool with being like my voice, but I will definitely offer some, uh, I'll definitely write you up some things or whatever it might be, or hey, check this out. Mm-hmm. Um, we are here for everybody. We want to help as many people as possible, um, and we don't want to just focus on our experiences all the time. We mm-hmm. want to make sure mm-hmm. we're reaching all everyone's experience and everyone's needs as much as possible humanly possible between the two of us um so if you like she said if you have suggestions please let us know um but yeah until then i think we'll just be um updating you a little bit more on our stories and um probably our hardships a little bit and how we got through some of those and where we're at now but um see you soon and thanks for listening thanks for listening bye